This is a Need 10 Media production. All right, welcome aboard, my friends. It's Nate Clayberg, and in this episode, you're going to hear a voice you've already heard as you've started this episode. And uh, again, this is going to trek through the past for me and a, and a treat nonetheless. It always is a treat when I get a chance uh, to visit with Bill Jordan, but uh, or this podcast called That's a Job. Again, it's about jobs and careers of uh, that you maybe have heard, heard of or not heard of, trying to learn about the pathways of how people got there. But I'm going to bring in Bill Jordan out of Raleigh, North Carolina. He was kind enough to be a part of uh, a radio internship I took back in the mid-90s when I was in college and trying to figure out who I was, where I was going, and uh, the impact that experience had me was was truthful. And uh, nowhere else can I match up line to line with uh, Blazing Saddles references or Seinfeld <laughs> or anything like that. It would probably get me canceled nowadays. But uh, Bill, it's awesome to have you on. Nate, I, I appreciate and I'm very humbled and flattered that you would invite me to be on. So happy to be here and uh, reconnect with you again. Yes, definitely. So, and, and, you know, as we go back and that was my, my time of wanting to be in broadcasting and radio and, and being in Iowa, the experience I had here, uh, that's what I knew. Uh, but going out there and working at the radio station, the level that is WRAL and in the Raleigh market, because it's different than it probably is now. And, and I don't know if you know off the top of your head, but what was Raleigh, what rank market maybe was it back in the, in the mid nineties? Wow. That's head, a good you know? question. That's a good question. I think it was in the thirties. It was okay. within the top 40 markets, I believe, I think. And now the, mar and now the area has just exploded. I mean, we're bigger than Charlotte. We're the biggest area right. in, in North Carolina and it's just growing and growing and growing. Well, that was a time that I was beginning to learn about Arbitron ratings and uh, focus groups and things like that that were part of it. Bill uh, was a part of the morning show team, and I was the intern for the morning show team. I think I pride myself as being your very first intern, and you guys didn't know what to do with me. Uh, I just remember maybe showing up some mornings and maybe not showing up some mornings, trying to slice tape and cut different things up is, is where I flash back to. But, you know, Bill, we'll, we'll get into that here in a little bit. But, you know, your 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 career in, in broadcasting between Virginia and North Carolina experiences you had and the people you've met, I guess that's what I want to kind of come into a little bit. You know, you growing up in, 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 in Virginia in high school, what did you think you'd be doing? You know, your senior in high school, where'd you think you'd be going in what direction? Yeah, I think, um, <clears throat> well, I know radio was on my radar because my oldest brother, Terry, was in radio. And he and I sounded alike at that time. We probably even looked a little bit alike. So I remember, it's interesting, my brother, my oldest brother, Terry, would give me promotional 45 records, right? The, the little records with the big hole in the middle, the 45 RPM records. And I would stand in our front, in our dining room, and the front window would look straight down the street. And I could see when the school bus would turn the corner two blocks away. But I would play these 45s and talk up the intro like a disc jockey when I was yep. in high school. So I would do that. So that was kind of in my head. And then it came time to go to college. Terry, the radio guy, went to Virginia Tech for one year, got involved with the campus radio station, quit college and got into radio. And then that was during Vietnam. So he knew he was going to get drafted, uh, volunteered for the Air Force, got put into 
Armed Forces Radio and TV at the time, and then spent 18 months in the Philippines broadcasting radio and TV for our troops in Southeast Asia, and then came out and, you know, got back into commercial radio. So he went to tech, and my middle brother, Brad, majored in German at the University of Richmond. So I applied to Richmond, I applied to Virginia Tech, and I applied to Old Dominion, which was right across the water from where we grew up, Old Dominion's in Norfolk. So I was accepted by all three, and I chose for whatever reason, Richmond. Once I got to Richmond, then I kind of started following the path of my middle brother, Brad, and I took German, and I'd already taken German for three or four years in high school, and so I was pretty good in that first semester to where I was starting to think in German. It was a weird experience to, to have a language into you so much that you were thinking it. So somewhere along the line, I was thinking about when I got out, I'd major in German, I'd become fluent like my brother Brad. I would join the army, get into army intelligence, go to Europe and chase spies. I thought that would, I'd seen enough James Bond movies that I thought that was, you know, maybe a pretty neat idea. But then and my brother Terry was in radio in Richmond so on the weekends, I didn't come home to Newport News. I would go hang out with him in Richmond. So I would go to the radio station with him. I'd hang out at remotes with him. And so the second semester, I got involved in the campus radio station at University of Richmond. And he said, don't do it, because if you do it, you're going to get the bug and you're going to quit college. And that's exactly what I did. So I did radio for uh, the second semester. He helped me put an air check together, which is a term for like putting your intros and stuff you know, like to, yeah. to present how you sound to prospective jobs. And uh, I got a job doing all nights, uh, midnight to 6 a.m. in Petersburg, Virginia. I went on the payroll on June 28, 1973, making $85 a week. Years later, I would call like on an anniversary, 10, 15, 20 year anniversary of my first day. I would track down the owner of that first radio station. I'd call him and he'd answer. And I'd always say, you don't know who this is, but 20 years ago, you hired me for $85 a week. And he would respond, I don't know who you are, but you were overpaid. So, so you know, that you just kind of launched my career. And it was an absolute love affair for me for the longest time. And, it, you know, I was in it for almost 40 years. And I was probably 30 plus years into being a, particularly a morning guy. I wasn't a morning guy immediately. But I knew that's where I wanted to go because they had more freedom and, and more ability to be creative in the morning show than any other day part because they just tend to shut you up for the rest of rest of the day. Uh, but yeah, 30 plus years into it, it finally dawned on me one day that, hey, this is a career. It never dawned on me. I was just this is what I did. Yeah. You're having you're having fun uh, doing bits and and talking to yeah. to celebrities and being a part of all sorts of different things. And I as you're talking through there, I'm thinking of the. The one, uh, I don't know if you call it a bit or whatever, or stunt or whatever we did when I was there. Uh, it was 96 when I was at WRAL. So summer games were going on in Atlanta. So we put together that uh, Olympic run from uh, the offices on uh, the Capitol Broadcasting down to the IHOP, four or five blocks down the road. If yeah. that's coming back yeah. into, into your brain of, of how we broadcast the, and I can't remember, we called it the morning Olympics or whatever, and just some had some... Some probably some stupid things we did along the way, but uh, you know, with stuff like that, it would, I never would have experienced uh, in in my radio career here. But you guys were doing that type of stuff, going out and and doing stuff in the community and and drawing attention because that's what the focus when you're in a market like that, you've got to get attention drawn to you to get your uh, ratings. Uh, going so then you can sell better advertising yeah you, you have to make people want to listen to you and, and ideally they would talk about the show the big thing that i did 
that put me on the map in Raleigh was the thing called the birthday call of the day. And it was like uh, somebody's birthday and you'd call them on their birthday, but you disguise your voice and you come up with some scenario. Hopefully they wouldn't catch on until the very end. And then they realized they'd been had. And it was a, it was, I mean, it was a, it's a hugely popular bit. It was always quote illegal, but the FCC never really, really looked at it. But it was always then the word came down that you're not going to be able to do these unless you've got to be able to say who you are, tell the person that they're being recorded for possible broadcast, which typically lets the cat out of the bag. And so that that had to come to an end. But I did that for nine or 10 years. And that was that was a big thing. And then after that, mainly I would just talk about life. It became I mean, I'm not putting myself on the same scale, of, of course, as Jerry Seinfeld, but it was that kind of a show life observation you know what happened to you when you went and played golf what happened when you went to the restaurant last night what is your you know my daughter what is she up to in school what are they talking about that's what it became about so that people could relate other people in our demographic because i was the demo target i was in the target demographic at the time whatever was going on in my life people could relate to and and my other and my partners and other people on the air too we were all in the target demo so, you know, looking back at, you know, granted, that's been a lot of years ago, but 96, you know, it was between my junior, senior at Iowa State and you have to do an internship. And I'm like, you know, I want to do something big. So, you know, my uh, friend of mine, Kyle Kepler, his aunt and uncle lived in Raleigh and they had a house and they had a mountain house up in Boone. His cousin lived down by the beach in, in Wrightsville Beach. And we thought, let's do it. So this, I bring that up every now and then when I'm talking to students about, you know, getting some experiences of go away. So leaving Iowa and going to North Carolina, where I really didn't know anybody. And I was thinking the other day when I was just trying to chart through, you know, how we connected and, and the experiences I had out there. I remember just picking up the phone. Can you imagine that now? I was picking up the phone and I must have found radio station numbers. I probably in the back of a radio and records, you know, station listing that I probably stole from another radio job I had. And just started going down the list saying, would you hire an intern? Would you bring on an intern? Uh, I think I was, I talked to Todd Fisher and then he talked to Steve Reynolds and then we, you know, okay, yeah, let's bring you on. I'm like, oh, okay. You guys weren't paying me anything, but I was willing to pack up and, and go out there. And that's an experience that so many people need to have is get away, go experience something new, meet some new people. And that's exactly what happened is I, show up at uh, WRAL at 3.30 in the morning to slice tape or, or whatever, <laughs> thinking, what in yeah. the hell am I doing up this early? Uh, and you right. did it for so many years, you know, getting a chance to meet Coach K at uh, the Duke Children's uh, uh, Thon, you guys did a radio thon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and getting a chance to talk to him for 20 minutes while you're on the air doing whatever, and he's not yet to come in. You know, it's stuff like that that, I never really got a chance to to be a part of if uh, if it if if this all hadn't come together and gives a chance to talk now, you know, pushing, you know, thirty years later, believe it or not. Yeah, I mean, you I, you have to take the chance or you go nowhere, right? You know, there there is that right. saying, everything you want is on the other side of fear. That's a famous saying for a reason. <laughs> you know, right? You got to take right. the chance. You got to take the chance. Scared, I was I was scared coming across the street from a G105, a top 40 station, to come over to WRAL, which was an adult contemporary station, a little older demographic, replacing a morning guy that had been there 14 and a half years. Uh, I was I was uh, rather trepidatious, uh, scared to death when I came through those doors. And then my run miraculously lasted like 23 and a half years there. Well, I think even when I was there, you were like, maybe I should just go sell Toyotas. 
I think that was always your standard line. <laughs> to get ready to go sell Toyotas, you know. Um, but yeah. that also opened to my eyes as I say that that you know I had never experienced uh, you know radio talent that you know you've got uh, learning you could go get paid to do stuff like that those radio promos and things like that. I'm like, wait a minute, you guys get paid for this? I've been working at places that you got to go do it as part of your job. I'm like, wait a minute, you know, right. open your eyes to how some things are. But, you know, going back and I remember, you know, people saying you got to get out of radio. There's no future. You got to get out of it. I'm sure you had a ton of that along the way, uh, but you stuck it out for all those years. How did you respond really to something? I, mean, I, don't, I don't know what I don't know what I, I, I had a program director one time while I'm walking down the hallway at Capitol. Like it or not, there's politics or whatever. Within any place you work, there's politics in the PTA, there's politics in your homeowners association, there's just politics. And so I would come under the gun upon occasion for whatever reason, warranted or not. And I had the program director walk down the hall, put his arm around me, says, hey, man, you've had a good run. You've had a good run. <laughs> it's like, what? what are you talking about? What do you know that I don't know? You know, I hung in there uh, for a pretty good while and the, the, the business changed. That's what most people will tell you. And I've talked to buddies of mine who, who were in radio and they got out before I did. And I said, well, do you miss it? And the honest answer, and you have to kind of be in the business to get it is I had a friend tell me, man, I missed it. I missed radio for the last 10 years I was in it because it had changed so much. What we were right. allowed to do, right. what, you know, the, the, the rating system and the uh, the way they got the ratings became created an environment of paralysis by analysis and too many, it, it, the art of radio left and it became all science and research. That's a bit, a bit hyperbolic, uh, a bit of an exaggeration. There's not, there's not a whole lot of the art of radio. And when you, when you talk of art, I think of, you know, if it's a program director or I'll oh, be given the the freedom to come up with what you're going to say in the morning show, what bits are in there. So kind of using your experience and your gut to decide what songs to play, things like that, uh, instead of a station I worked at where uh, it was being programmed from Cincinnati, Ohio, you know, 10 hours away for what was going to take place, because this is what the data said uh, right. is, exactly. is attracted to that. So having that creativity moves into you know the medium we're on right now that you don't have those frameworks anymore you can you can create your own stuff online now so and that and as you moved out you took full advantage of other opportunities out there and getting to voiceover and podcasts and YouTube and and, and things like that as we as we evolve from traditional broadcasters position but you you found a way coming out of retirement and through a pandemic to really create a, a, a thing of purpose for you and that you've got passion around with, uh, with embrace the boom, talk through the advent of that or where it's been and where it's going. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, I just think that I go back to this phraseology when I've talked to other folks about this <clears throat> and I think I learned it in the last election or two that the term disenfranchised a select group of our population may be disenfranchised. And I feel that's the way for, senior citizens, older demographics. Uh, a lot of people I know, male and female in the broadcast business were at some point called in and told that the station was gonna go in a different direction. That's not necessarily just in broadcast, but as people get older and they're called in and told, we're gonna go in a different direction. That is the new corporate speak for we're going younger and cheaper. That's what that means. I believe that while society itself, I mean, we hear the okay boomer, you know, the way you used to do it. I do believe that people over 50, over 55, over 60, 65, 
there's a lot of experience. There's a lot of life lessons. Uh, there's a lot of mentoring that can be done. I think that younger people would do well to find somebody maybe in their business or, or not, but somebody that they can click with and find a mentor or two that can guide them through life. You don't need to necessarily hire a life coach, although I know some that are, I mean, that's their profession and you pay them. But there are other, you know, older men and women who can kind of guide you and probably have been through some of the things that uh, that you've, you know, that you're experiencing right now. So embrace the boom for me. I think I probably came up with it because of Boomer, but also when you think back to old radio promotions we used to do, there was always a lot of alliteration to it. Free Movie Friday, Manic Monday. You know, there was always that repetition of a consonant sound. So you hear embrace the suck from a lot of people, a lot of military guys will say that, you know, if you're having a hard time, just embrace that and lean into it and push through it. And then for whatever reason, one day, and I wish I knew when it was, I just, you know, embrace the boom, baby boomers. And that kind of hatched that idea. So in October of 2019, I made it up my mind. I was going to, and I crafted, I've always had a thing about great quotes and stuff like that. And so I crafted, I'd started off with three. In fact, the other day I came across the first three I ever wrote. Uh, and I didn't, they're not original, but it was the first three that I latched onto. And I built that into 15 slash 16 practices that I lean on for the Embrace the Boom movement. So it started as a YouTube channel. There's, you're a smart guy, college graduate. You're, you've heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, correct? Oh yeah. Right. So at the base of that is we need food and shelter and you're building a pyramid. At the very top of the pyramid is a need for significance. I've done pretty much and acquired everything at the bottom of that pyramid. And it's not necessarily an ego thing for me to go, oh, people want to know what I want to, or what I think about something, but I do want to have a significance. I want to bring a significance to my life and make a, a positive impact on those around me, whether it be friends or family or neighbors or, you know, whoever it might be, I want to make that positive impact. There's that other saying, if your presence doesn't make an impact, your absence won't make a difference. No. And, and that's spot on when you're, when you, you say that, and hopefully anybody's listening can, they're thinking of how can they relate to that? Or they're thinking, yep, Bob in accounting. Uh, I'm glad when he's not around because I sure don't like it yeah. when he is around. And you know what? And I, I have to admit that I've been that guy. I mean, I have been, you know, whether the pressure is coming down, people change. And when you're under the gun all the time, watching everything you're saying, you maybe become somebody that you really don't want to be. I'm, I'm just trying now to live my life, for, certainly not perfectly, but I've really grown attached to the notion of narrowing the gap where I am and where I want to be. And I did a video on, on YouTube about this, and this is, I hope you'll like this. And some people take this the wrong way. It's a hypothetical description of hell. And that is right before we die, we are introduced to the person that we could have been. And I heard that and it hit me like a ton of bricks, man. Physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. How far am I from who I want to be? And just because I'm, I mean, I'll be 68 in July, you know, I can still get down and do push-ups and squats, and I can still walk the neighborhood and try to walk it a little faster today and walk it a little faster tomorrow. I mean, I think I can still get better. This is not a bragging thing, but I've got the time now that I read from 
12 books every morning. Well, now, most of those, yeah. most of those are like daily devotional kind of readings, right? It's like a page or two. Uh, if it's a more substantial, uh, substantive book, I'll read a couple of pages, like where they break up a chapter or something like that. But I, I just, I, I want to learn. There's, there's so much I want to learn. I'm also mindful too, that I'm, I'm an example, hopefully to my wife and still to my daughter and son-in-law and to my grandkids. Yeah. And when you look at, and, and a question I have with uh, the other guests I've had, it, it does come back to some skill sets and things like that. But when you look at the points you have in, in your book and embrace the boom, talk through some of the key ones that really stand out to you. You'd really, you know, you want to pass some of these along, especially to uh, empower you know, the, your generation, the boomer generation, but the ones coming up, there's still value in what you're saying there for current younger generations. What are some ones that stand out to you? It's like, this isn't just for the boomers, but it's for everybody. Right. It, it isn't. And in fact, and I, I don't remember if I've said it in the book or not, it's, it's stuff that I wish I had known when I was 16 years old, if that I had grasped then, embraced it then. And the, the curious thing is I borrow a lot from the ancient philosophers, the Plato's and the Socrates and the Marcus Aurelius's and these guys back hundreds of years before Christ were dealing with the same human frailties that we deal with today. They were still giving advice on how to deal with ego and resentment and jealousy and all that stuff. And so that's what's in this. 15 practices slash 16 practices. Number 10 probably gets more response than any of them. And that is calm is contagious. And it's also a superpower. Now, any and all emotions are contagious, right? That's why when there's a road rage accident, everybody everybody gets mad. Not that it's necessarily an accident. Somebody cuts you off, you get mad. They get mad if they see you get mad and somebody yells at you at work and you yell back. That's the first response. It's contagious. But calm is a superpower because if somebody you see, and I've done this, somebody will start to get ramped up or I'll start to get ramped up. And I remember calm is contagious. And I'll just take a deep breath, let it out. And sometimes if that person that I'm talking to, or they're getting upset, they see me take a deep breath and just let it out. And I'm smiling at them. They tend to calm down. Just calm is contagious. And it's a superpower. That's, that's one of my favorite ones. Also, today is a perfect day to mind my own business. Tomorrow will be as well. <laughs> You know, it really is. You think about all the things that we worry yeah. about. You worry about your neighbor. How do they afford that car? Where did they get it? Where did she get that? Who told them that that was a good thing to wear? You're at the grocery store. Ooh, look what they eat. Hey, you know what? Live and let live. It really, you save a whole lot of wear and tear on yourself if you're not sweating what everybody else is doing. Right. That's just a couple yeah, how do you Staying in the present is really hard. I think that's, is that one you said you were working on staying in the present? That That's one I think we... Uh... We forget because it's like, if I do this moving forward, I could do this. Or you worry about the yeah. past, taking the time just, you know, even in this uh, time that we've connected here, live in the now, right? You know, I'm not even taking notes because I want to take this all in, get a chance to do this. But how do you enjoy right now? And I think that is hard. It is hard to, 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 it's to do really that hard. because we're so busy. People say they're busy. My dad told me that years ago. He says, never confuse the amount of time spent at work with the amount of work done. <laughs> you know, and I know people who, and I think I touch on this in the book, I know people who cannot fill up their schedule enough. I, I really think there, there's a restorative effort. You've got to take some time for yourself. Uh, and I've talked to my wife about this. Like, Please don't take this wrong, but we were on vacation last week uh, down in Florida and we came back and the first morning she was slept in and I, and I went ahead and got on up and had my coffee and stuff. And it was just silent. All I heard was the rain, silence. 
for a guy who was in radio for 40 years and did morning radio for 32 years of that and drove into work every day with a radio blasting, you know, to just mm -hmm. now have silence and just breathe and slow down, man. I really think we need that. And and, and sleep too. It used to drive me nuts that if I lived to be 90 years old, that I would sleep 30 years of my life. You, you definitely need it for your health, your mental health and physical health. You don't, you don't just say, uh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yeah, you'll get there sooner. <laughs> and and uh, I, I've said that myself. And, you know, there's lifespan and there's health span. I'm not concerned about a lifespan if I'm living a poor quality life. I want to have good right. life quality right. and live as long as I can in a healthy way. Well, Bill, it's been uh, great connecting. And uh, again, uh, thank you for all that, that you've done for me, even though, you know, when we first met in, back in 1996, and you're probably like, what in the hell are we going to do with an intern? And what is that? I think you were the mean? last I one. He... I think you were the first and last one. <laughs> first, first and last. I, seriously, I, I think I think they some policy was like they couldn't have anybody that they weren't that they could that they wouldn't pay. But there was a we asked after that about can we get another intern? Now we don't do interns. So we did an intern. He's well, really he's different. different. We're yeah, gonna change really this. Different. Well, it's, well anyway, that's hey, good man, that I, I appreciate could... you inviting me and we've had this little talk and there is a lot to unpack in this book. It is a um, it's I, I say it's super short. I mean, you can read this in like 30 minutes. It's super short. But to me, even when I browse through it myself, it's short but sticky. It's like seeing a movie. Yeah. My wife and I will see a movie and, and after it's over, we'll say, well, did you like it? It was like, I don't know. It was OK. And then three days later, we are still talking about and thinking about the movie, a scene or, a, you know, an exchange in dialogue. And that's what I think you will do with this book. It is it is full of maybe some cliches, but I think we don't pay attention to cliches because we've heard them so long. But cliches are cliches because they're true. So hopefully I've just given you some ideas on how to have some new ideas about some some old things that we've always heard about. In the in the two ways you are, are serving other people right now, uh, I guess outside of your family, I guess talk through your VO work and, and embrace the boom. Where can people learn more? Well, gosh, let's see here. On the voiceover side of things, it's BillJordanVO.com. And that's all my commercial demo and narrative demos and stuff like that. And some videos I've narrated and TV commercials I've narrated and stuff. That's that's pretty cool. Bill Jordan, embrace the boom. Dot com, Bill Jordan, embrace the boom.com. And that's where you can find a link to the book and a link to all the YouTube videos. And you can pick up this handy dandy embrace the boom mug, which I use in the morning for my coffee, but really it's as an anchor for my day. It's, it's kind of like a, it's a habit and you'll latch onto this. And it reminds me to, to embrace where I am in my life. So also um, the book itself, if you want to buy directly from the publisher, I get a couple more bucks out of that. And the publisher, actually, you remember him, Mark Grady flew in a yes. Cessna over Raleigh and did, he's a, a, an accomplished <laughs> publisher now, WebsterFalls.com. He gets a couple extra bucks that way. I get a couple extra bucks that way. But the book Embrace the Boom is available on Amazon.com, Walmart.com, BarnesandNoble.com. You asked for a simple, I just gave you about five different links. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you admitted to using your coffee mug to drink coffee, because if you didn't, it would put a question on the quality of that mug. So it's good that at least you use your own mug. You know what? It's 15 ounces. It'll hold 15 ounces of whatever you want to put in it. I've got a girl, a, a girl I went to high school with puts 15 ounces of makeup brushes in it. Well, that'll work. Sure. For her. So, well, I, I, I question, you know, what's your, how you're going to answer this next question, but what is your limit on Snitson? I think 13 is my limit on Schnitzel. <laughs> uh, 
I am not from Havana. How did I, do? I didn't get a harumph from that. I didn't get a harumph from that guy. <laughs> we do that all the time, man. My wife and I was, I didn't get a harumph from that guy. Bill, it's been awesome to reconnect. I appreciate you joining me. <laughs> Thank you, Nate. Best to your family. Thank you again, everybody, for joining us for this episode and being on this journey. So please subscribe and share this podcast if you haven't done so already. Again, that's a job podcast available on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The That's a Job podcast presented by Career Adventure Academy and the College and Career Discovery course. Discover the work you are wired to do. Now, go live your career adventure. If you haven't done so already, hit subscribe to enjoy future episodes. Build your career adventure at nateclayberg.com. Production assistance provided by Bill Jordan voiceovers. Visit billjordanvo.com. This podcast is a Need 10 Media production.